Hold it right there, soldier. I don't care if you are fleet. You don't have authority. Duncan never even slowed, and the half-ton suit tossed her aside like a rag doll. Her fellow MP rushed to her side, but other than a bruised rib and an assault on her dignity, she was unharmed. The TOC was three prefabricated structures hooked together. The doors were not designed to accommodate armored combat suits, but that was moot. The door and frame resisted his suit as well as wet tissue paper, and he continued through the briefing area and down a short hall to the commander's office. The startled brigade staff followed him. The brigade commander had his door open. He watched the battle-scorched apparition stalk down the hall towards him without expression. The suit was covered in gouges from glancing hits and splattered with drying posleine blood. It looked like a mechanical demon from some hell devoted to battle. As the commander recognized who was cradled in the arms of the suit, his expression altered, becoming terrible and fey. Duncan walked up to the commander's desk and gently set the captain's husk on the scattered papers. One of Barwan's ubiquitous beetles hovered over the open mouth and terribly disfigured face. The mortal blow of a porcelain combat blade had opened the side of Thomas's head like an egg. Duncan tapped a control on the forearm of the suit, activating the surface speakers. I brought him home, he said. The colonel continued to stare up at the angled slab of plasteel armor in front of his desk. The suit radiated heat from blows of kinetic energy weapons, and the stink of putrefying porcelain was thick and hot. He started to open his mouth to speak, but stopped and worked his mouth as if trying to clear his throat. I brought him home, said Duncan again, and laid the stick across the captain's body. The symbol was one that had become universally familiar since the landing. Many were to be found among the rear area troopers, each supposedly authentic. In fact, there had only been eight confirmed recoveries of them, and the real ones were all accounted for, all carefully laid to rest with their owners. Between them, the owners of the staffs had collected four medals of honor, three distinguished service crosses, and silver stars innumerable. The staff alone was guarantee of at least the star. The colonel's hand went over his mouth, and unmanly tears coursed down his cheeks at the sight of the ninth. He cleared his throat again and took a deep breath. Thank you, sergeant, he said, tearing his eyes away from the warrior staff. Thank you. The suit was swaying in front of his eyes, and for a moment he thought it was an optical illusion, but it was soon apparent it was not. Duncan dropped to his knees with a rumble that shook the flimsy building and wrapped his arms around himself. What was going on inside the suit was impossible to discern, but the colonel had a very good idea. He got up and walked around the desk with a passing pat on the shoulder to his former subordinate, now leaking red all over a report titled Manpower Requirements FY 2003. The colonel crouched down and put his arm around the shoulders of the gigantic suit. Come on, sergeant, he said as tears continued to course down his cheek. Let's get you out of that suit. <laughs>